Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Appreciate you for coming today. Man, aren't you glad that he paid your debt? Amen. Come on, y'all give him praise in the house. Amen. Thank you, Randy. If you have your Bibles, if you will, turn with me today to Judges, Judges chapter 7. Judges chapter 7. We're going to start a series today, maybe a couple of sermons, maybe a few more than that. We'll see. Entitled, Against All Odds, When Your Back Is Against the Wall. How many of you ever had your back against the wall? Anybody ever been in a dilemma? Anybody ever been in a situation where you didn't know how you were going to get out? You know, I was thinking the other day, just looking at what's going on in the world around us today, it's interesting that it looks like things are just unraveling at the seams. But I submit to you today that God is allowing these things to happen so that we will come back to a place where we what? Depend upon Him. If my people who are called by my name will what? Turn from their wicked ways, humble themselves in prayer. He said, then will I hear from heaven and I will hear their land. we got something we have to do in response to the chaos going on around the world. Amen? I was also thinking of how much times have changed. You know, I was watching uh, David's video. Man, I wish I'd have been that cool when I was telling my folks that we were pregnant. I mean, I was just like, hey, she's pregnant. <laughs> okay, let's go eat. Um, and, and the stuff that they have now going on with, uh, have y'all heard of this one? Have y'all heard of baby moons? Have y'all heard of that? Baby, how many of y'all have heard of a baby moon? That's like when you get pregnant, you go like on a, another honeymoon or something, a baby moon. I'm thinking, dude, the first one got you in this trouble. You don't need to go on another trip, all right? Or what about this one? What about a push gift? Y'all ever heard of that one? A push gift. That's like uh, uh, the husband has to get the mama a gift for pushing. I'm thinking, brother, when she gets through pushing, she will have a gift. (laughs) But just times have changed. I also see, as we've started this church, I've seen some incredible growth in a lot of you. I've seen growth in my own life. I'm not the person I used to be. Can anybody attest to that? I'm not the person I used to be. Aren't you glad that you're not who you used to be? But do you ever find it frustrating for those people in your life who treat you as if you're the person you used to be? Do you ever encounter old friends and, hey, you remember that time? Yeah, I don't want to remember that time. You know, hey, I remember when you were younger. Yeah, let's just stop the sentence right there kind of thing. But they treat you as if, watch this, that you're not growing, that you're not being regenerated, that you're not a new person in Christ. You know, the reason I love to go to Men's Warehouse where I get some of my clothing and I used to get a lot of my suits is is because when I go into Men's Warehouse, they have a policy that they make the assumption that I'm going to grow. And therefore, what they do with their tailoring is even if I buy something there today and and I put it on and it fits me to a T, that when I come back in six months, if I bring it in there and say, hey, I've grown, they go, not a problem. We'll tailor it for you for free. I like the fact that Men's Warehouse assumes that I'm going to grow. Can I tell you something? I really wish people were like that in the spiritual realm. That they would make the assumption that I'm going to grow because I'm walking with Christ every single day. I want you to, when you see me six months from now, I want you to make the assumption that I'm not who I was six months ago. But see, the world has been defined by this frustrated mentality. For example, and I heard somebody, and I won't call his name, he's in this room today, the world would have you to believe that if you're an alcoholic today, then you're now and forever a recovering alcoholic. Not true according to the Word of God. See, the Bible says that if any man would be in Christ, say it with me, he's a new creature. How many of you know that if I'm a new creature, I'm not who I used to be? 
And here's the hope. That if there's a man who was a, uh, an alcoholic and he steps in Christ, the Bible says that, that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The other one says, if the Son shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. That word indeed, I looked it up. In the Greek, it means entirely. It means that all facets of my life, I'm a new person. I'm regenerated. Listen, salvation occurs once and for all. One time when you ask Christ into your heart. But watch this. Sanctification is a cleansing process. It means that I'm stepping from faith to faith and I'm growing in who I am. Listen, if you're an alcoholic and you have accepted Christ in your heart, you are no longer an alcoholic in Jesus' name. If you're an addict, you're no longer addicted in Jesus' name. If you are a backbiter and you're in Christ, you're no longer a backbiter. You're no longer a fault finder. You're no longer a naysayer. You're no longer Miss Pessimistic or Miss Negativity. You are in Christ, and the Bible says His mercies are new every day. Everybody say mercy. The reality is that I don't want to be typecasted into who I used to be. I want you to look at me for who I am and watch this, and for who I'm going to be. Maybe some of you have watched TV over the years and you recognize a few faces. I've got a few of them I want to I throw on the screen. The first one, probably you will know him. I think we have that one, don't we, Ashley? Is Ashley over there? Randy, you can't run this. Do we have it? You're not saying anything, Randy. Do we have a picture? Where is your wife, Randy? That's why we pay her good money. I'm kidding. She doesn't get paid. When, when she comes back, let me know because I want to show. I'll tell you what. I'll do it this way. How many ever remember a young boy on Andy Griffith? What's his name? No, his name is not Opie. His name is what? Ron Howard. But how many of you remember him as Opie? You know, how many of y'all ever used to whistle when you used to go down the fishing hole? How many of y'all still whistle when y'all go out to West Point? A little weird, but Okay. Guess what? He was typecasted. What that meant was that every person that saw him from, point, from the point of time of him becoming Opie Taylor, from that point in time all the way through, he was Opie Taylor. He couldn't get any other roles. It was very frustrating. I read one of his bios one time, his autobiography, and he said he couldn't get any, anybody to take him serious in Hollywood. He was an A-list actor. He was phenomenal. But every time he played in something, the people saw him. They said the director would sit back and go, that's Opie. He's one of the few people that came out of that. In his 20s, he became typecasted in yet another role. Anybody remember what it was? Sunday, Monday. You remember that one? He was who? Richie Cunningham. Some of the young people are going, dude, I don't know what you're talking about. And if you start talking about Party Down South, I know the characters on that one. Shame on you. What about this one? You remember a guy, he's on Priceline.com today. His name is William Shatner, but how many remember him as... Captain Kurt. How many remember him as Captain Kurt? I don't care what he does. He's Captain Kurt to me. How about his pointy ear friend? He's forever going to be who? Dr. Spock. Forever and forever. Or what about Liam Neeson? How many of y'all remember him from the movie Taken? One of my favorite movies. Awesome movie. He just beats the brakes off those guys for messing with his daughter. I love that. That's an awesome story. But watch this. He'll forever be remembered. I don't care. He will not be able to play in the movie Notebook. It ain't going to happen. Because I can still hear him on the phone going, I will find you and I will kill you. I love that role. Liam Neeson. They're typecasted though. How about the little freckle-faced girl on Little House on the Prairie? No, she ain't. She's half pint. She's going to always be half pint. It doesn't matter what they try to be, but can I tell you something? That's what the world and that's what the enemy does to you and I. Oh, don't bring up the pictures now. I don't want to see the pictures now. I mean, seriously? The point I'm getting at is, I feel sometimes like spiritually, 
we're typecasted by the world. Who we were over here is not who we are today, yet the world still sees us in that role. You see, I believe that God has called me to a new season. How many of you believe God's calling you into a new season? How many of you believe God's calling you to a new work? How many of you believe God's calling you to a new journey? How many of you believe God is calling you to a new person in Christ? The old things have been passed away. Behold, all things become new. Wave your hand at me if you believe that today. Then we got to step out of the typecasting of this world and quit allowing. Well, listen, let me tell you something. So I, I hear this all the time. People say, you know, I don't so like to be around that person. They just rob my joy. No, they don't. You give them your joy. You give them permission to take from you what never belonged to them. Listen, if you want to walk in joy, be like Nehemiah. The joy of the Lord is my what? Strength. Don't you dare let somebody tell you who you are. You need to tell them who you are in Christ. Amen? Gideon. A judge, probably one of the greatest judges in the scriptures. During the time of judges, the Israelites had turned to idolatrous ways, had turned to wicked ways, and, and God, they were requesting a king. They wanted a king to rule over them, when in fact they had the one true king, God, the God of Abraham and Jacob and Isaac, and yet they wanted someone else to grab onto. And so God did not hear their plea. They went into a place of idolatry. They went into a place of, of being against God's wishes and against God's will. So God sent them a judge. And there's judges throughout the book of Judges. You see different people that come in to judge them. To turn them to a place of repentance so that they go back to a walk with God. Gideon was one of those men. But Gideon was a young man who had been typecasted. Because in the tribe of Manasseh, he was a part of a clan that the Bible says was the least of all the clans of the tribe of Manasseh. He wasn't of the tribe of Levi. He wasn't a high priest. He was of the tribe of Manasseh. And within that, he was in the least of the clans. And, and it goes a step further in Judges chapter 6. He said, and oh, I was the least and the youngest of all my brothers. You take someone like Gideon who had been typecasted. He will never amount to anything. He's not worthy. Why? Because he's the youngest. He's the least of these. He's a ruddy young little punk. But watch this. He's also in the least of the clans, the least of perhaps the tribes, and I'm going to use him to judge a nation. See, why does God do that, Mark? Because God doesn't typecast. God doesn't see your ability. He just wants your availability. You see, the reality when we're against all odds, the truth is this, that we're not operating in our power. If you do, you will have your back against the wall and you will fall. But if I stand in Christ, having done all to stand, stand there for. Everybody say stand. Look with me, if you will, to Judges chapter 7. I want to bring a message to you today entitled Against All Odds. Judges chapter 7, verses 1 through 8. says, so Jerubel, that is Gideon, and his army got up early, underscore that, and went as far as the spring of Herod. The armies of Midian were camped north of them in the valley near the hill of Moray. The Lord said unto Gideon, watch this, you have too many warriors with you. If I let you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they save themselves by their own strength. Underscore that in your Bible. Therefore, tell the people. Whosoever is timid or afraid, they may leave this mountain and go home. And the Bible says, so 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 of them to fight. Let me remind you, there was 32,000 of the Israelite mighty warriors, the Bible says. Mighty warriors ready to fight. And yet there was 135,000 Midianites ready to overthrow them. The odds were already stacked against them. 135,000 Midianites, 32,000 mighty men and women of valor ready to take 
take up arms with the person of Gideon for the children of Israel. 22,000 of them went home that day because they were terrified of what was to come. Because they saw the odds against them as a battle that couldn't be won. Are you looking at things like that today in your own life? Or are you looking at the odds stacked against you as an opportunity for God to come on the scene and do something that you can't do in and of yourself? Because that's how my God works. He wants the glory. Oh, he thinks a lot of himself. His name is I am that I am. Amen. Watch what he goes on to say in verse 4. But the Lord told Gideon. I love this. I had to read this four or five times. It blew my mind. There's still too many. Bring them down to the spring, to the riverside, and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. God automatically showing us his authority and sovereignty over the situation. That he's the one deciding. Not Gideon, but God. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, Divide the men into two groups. In one group, put all of those who cup the water in their hands and lap it to their tongues like dogs. In the other group, put all of those who kneel down to drink the water with their mouths in the stream. Only 300 of the men drank with their hands, bringing the water to their mouth. All the others got down on their knees, put their face down to the water, and drank their mouths in the stream. The Lord told Gideon, with these 300, that means 9,700 did it wrong. Started out with 32,000. 22,000 were terrified. They went home. It leaves 10,000. And now 9,700 of those actually got down on their faces and started to lap the water up with their mouth without being vigilant, without looking, without being prepared they weren't ready to go to battle and God said with these 300 I watch I love this I will rescue you and I will give you victory over the Midianites send all the others home so Gideon collected the provisions and the ram's horns of the other warriors and sent them home but he kept the 300 men with him let's pray father I love you today I thank you for your word I thank you for the victories that come by your hand and not by our own today as we stand with our backs against the wall on many occasions Glorify yourself in our weakness. May your strength be made perfect. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you're taking notes today, I want you to write this down, point number one, real quickly. Everyone with you today is not really with you. Now that sounds like a negative, condescending, naysaying, pessimistic viewpoint. Oh, it's not. Hear me. It's something to equip you for the battle ahead. Everybody that starts the journey with you will not finish the journey with you. He told Gideon, he said, go up to the mountain and tell him, if you're afraid, if you're scared, oh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home. 22,000 men drop their sword and their shield and their ram's horn, tuck tail and walk away. And here's what I believe Gideon knows today. If I could bring him on the stage today and stand here, you know what I believe he would say? I'd rather have 300 men that are committed to the fight that aren't afraid because they know they're going in the power under the armor of a holy God rather than stand with me now, act like you're really in the fight, but when it all all comes at me when all hell breaks loose then you're going to run and you're going to leave me standing here holding a defeat can I tell you something if they're not with us today let's send them on home today now I get it I know two or three I get it I get it you know why because it sounds like we're sending people away can I tell you something think of it in this consideration think of it like money you take the money that you have hard hard earned money would you really go and put that money into a pension fund that you were 100% sure that it was going to fail? That there would be no dividends over the years. You're putting away money for a time of difficulty, a time of great need, a time of retirement. So maybe you can sit back and collect a little of the dividends from that which you have earned and worked for. 
You're making investments today in pensions. I hope you are. If you're doing that, you're probably doing it with some type of scope of realization of what promise that that investment holds for the future. Can I get a witness? But watch this. If you knew for sure, if you could know today, look at that financial advisor and say, is this going to be here tomorrow? And they said, no, it's not. You're not going to put any money in it. Why do we do it any different, Tim, with people? We invest time. We invest energy. And listen, I get it. A lot of these people, just like David was talking about, there's people in this room today that if they died right now, they don't know for sure that they have heaven for a home. And I praise God for you being here. I thank thank Jesus for bringing you into the house today. But watch this. I'm talking about those people that just sit constantly. I'm talking about church at large. I'm not even talking about just Northridge. I'm talking about at large. You know what I want to do? I want to go into a battle, and I want to invest in people that are taking that investment for one day. They're going to return that back to a holy God. That the kingdom will be better because of the investments that we're making in folks. Here's what I don't want. I don't want somebody hanging around when things are easy and things are going great. And all the money's there. And everything's clicking on all cylinders. Only for a bad day or a bad month or a bad year to come. And they go, hey, I'm out. You know what? You're not doing anybody any favors. Get in the fight today. Grab onto the horns of God. And let's say, let's ride this joker out. Because you know what I believe? There is no doubt in my mind that I can be confident of this very thing. That he which hath begun a good work in me, he will also complete it. I know if Jesus is building the church, that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Here's what I know to be true today. You know what I want? I want some uneducated. I'm speaking spiritually. I want some uneducated. I want some unspiritual, unreligionized. I want some people who just love God. God a big old case that I don't care and just want to run and attack hell with a water pistol. That's who I want to walk with. I don't want to walk with people who can speak a bunch of religious jargon and then when it all comes down, they go, hey man, I'm out. I'm going I'm to run over here. Let me tell you something. We need to, as a church, stop trading sheep and raise up a new remnant of people who are out there in the world who just say, you know what, man, I'm tired of being tired. And I just want to fight a fight. Man, I tell you what, I love when fighters join the church. I mean, man, I, I love when brawlers, man, come into the church and they go, yeah, I was down at Chills last night just slamming some heads. Praise God, let's get you saved. You'll change the world for the glory of God. Because they some Christians need the head bump. I didn't say that out loud, did I? Can I say this to you? Sometimes tough times come in your life. So that God can help you to clear out your inner circle of friends. Hear me, church. Please hear my heart here. I'm not being, I'm not driving this home to a negative thing. I just want you to hear me. We use a lot of vernacular today in our culture, one of which is click. A click is a problem when we don't allow people in our life. But make no mistake about it. You and I both are going to gravitate towards people of like mind. I love to hunt. I love to spend time outdoors. I love to do those kinds of things. It's probably safe to say that some of the people that are closest in my life are people who like to shoot things. Can I say it that way? Ain't nobody here with PETA, are they? Okay. P-E-T-A. See, I, I love, I'm an adrenaline junkie. I love, when, um, Pastor David and I, we, we definitely were ordained from the beginning of the world to serve together. When we built the zip line, we got the T-bar, and I go, what are you doing? He said, I'm going to check it out. He just whew, takes off down there. We ain't tested nothing. We ain't putting no weight. We should have put a dummy on that thing before you went down that, dog. I know, right? We did. <laughs> David went down. 
<laughs> Your wife pointed at you, I'm just saying. We hear a lot of this in our church. Hey, watch this. It's kind of, anyway. Here are a couple of principles that I want to give you in context of this particular teaching on point one. Number one, Gideon rose up early. Can I tell you something, church? It's time to quit procrastinating. It's time to quit procrastinating. It's time to armor up. Ephesians chapter 6, Paul right into the church at Ephesus speaking of the body of Christ. And here's what he said. He says, what I want to see you do when you wake up in the morning, the first thing you ought to do is not go get your coffee. The first thing you ought to do is not go out there and feed your horse. The first thing you ought to do is not go feed your... I got chickens, y'all. Did I tell y'all I got chickens at my house? We have an urban chicken coop. Let me translate that. It is a stinky place is what it is. And I love it. We're going to have some egg. It's going to be awesome. God, God is showing me some great things about these chickens, one of which that they come best from big chick. But anyway... Said Gideon rose up early. Here's what I want you to know today as, as the band comes back. Listen, quit procrastinating. It's time that we get a head start on the enemy and clothe ourselves in the armor of God. There are armaments, there are pieces of armaments given us in the Word of God. We need to have, watch this, we need to be, we need to be, have our loins girt about with truth. Why? Because all great things of God hinge on the fact that He is truth. When the enemy comes at you with a lie, the only, only thing you can do to combat him is to give him truth. Watch this. You're nothing, Mark. You're no good. Nobody's going to come to your church. Nobody's going And I can come at him with this. Listen, I know what God has called me to do. I know he's put a word inside of me. I'm going to preach the gospel. His word will go forth and we're not returning to him void. You see what I'm saying? Hey, I'm nobody. Oh, no, no, no. I'm a child of the king. I'm brand new in Jesus Christ. The old things have been made old and I have been made new in him. you got to tell him the truth. And the way you do that is when he comes at you with a lie, you go back at him with the truth. And James 4, 7, part B says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Now, I believe you won't go far and he'll come back quickly. But you just keep throwing out those words. The Bible says there's life and death. Mom and daddy, hear me right here. There's life and death in the power of the tongue. It's time to speak promises over your children. Time to speak promises over your marriage. Husbands, you need to be reading 1 Corinthians chapter 13 every single day in your home out loud. I don't care how silly you look, read it three times a day out loud. Why you? Because you are the armor bearer, daddies. If anybody gets into your home, if anything comes into your home, how many of y'all up there Wednesday night with us when we had uh, uh, Sergeant Jesse Hambrick come up and talk to us about all the social media dangers and all that? Let me tell you something, guys. When he pulled out that phone and he did like this and showed me that, that if a girl posts a picture over here on, on Instagram three miles away that I can hold my phone up and I can punch it and it'll direct me right to her house. You know what that's telling me? I need to get up in the morning. I need to be vigilant. I need to walk into my daughter's room or my son's room, daddies, and I need to put my hand over my children and I need to pray. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you have put a hedge of thorns around this child, that you'd send them into school as a light and not a dark spot, that you would raise them up to be a mighty man or woman of God, that you watch this, dads, pray this over them because this is how it's going to work. You need to pray that they would remain pure until God sends them the man that God created for him, that they won't say yes to this, this one, this one, that they'll say no, and if that guy can't, I mean, I've knocked the breaks off that guy listen I believe with all of my heart we need to stand up and fight and the best way to do that is to be vigilant get up early put on the armor of God we used to tell our soldiers when we were training them don't wait till you get thirsty to drink water 
If you wait till you get thirsty in a field environment to drink water, you have waited too long. You are already on the fringes of dehydration. Here's what I believe to be true for you and I. This is the water, the living water. If you wait till your family has imploded and everything is happening and your back is against the wall and then you try to do this little thing, God, just give me something. Man, I have read that Bible and I'm sure there's people in here that can attest to this. I have read that Bible sometimes with tears just falling out of my eyes onto the paper because I'm just like going, God, just show me something. And I start reading Ecclesiastes and I'm like, I don't even know how to pronounce that. And I'm reading and Isaiah, he was wounded by my stripes. By his iniquities, I'm healed. You know, I read over here in Ezekiel. He says in chapter 3 and verse 3, consume or eat the scrolls for therein ingested and it will become a, a sweetness to your mouth and I'm like going I don't understand has anybody ever read the book in a time of difficulty and it seemed like a bunch of Greek nothing didn't make any sense anybody else ever read the Bible or is it just me it just felt like you were a million miles away can I tell you something when you rise up early and you become vigilant you can open up the word of God and you can take time and you're not running all frazzled You can open up the book, Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 and 8. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and their confidence. They are like trees planted along the riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered. Hear it again. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by the long months of drought. Their leaves will stay green and they will never stop producing fruit. It's time that we plant ourselves by the living water. Not only did he rise up early, but the Bible says he planted himself right next to the well of of Haran. Watch what he did. He got around things that brought him life. He situated himself around friends that encouraged him and made him better. You see, the reality is, is in, the, in this time frame, in the ancient courses of antiquities, what would happen is they had to, had to, in a Middle Eastern culture, in a dry and, and dusty desert, they had to be by the well. And can I tell you something? You and I are living in a land that's flowing with milk and honey, yet we are more dry, we are more desolate, we are more dead in our culture, in, our, in America, than we've ever seen in, in our history. If you plant yourselves by the living water, And difficult times come, and they will. You will not be moved. You will not stop producing fruit. You will not cease to be a child of the Most High God. You will not be be flip-flop from thing to thing and new idea to new idea. Oh, no, no, no. You will drive your roots deep in the ground, and you will situate yourself next to things that bring you life. I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you today to plant yourself in the Word of God. I was talking to a couple before we started today. And she said, the thing that I really like about your church is you just, you just depend on this book. Can I tell you something? This is all we have. Any other stuff that you ever see in this church is just that. It's stuff. Maybe some great stuff. But this is our hope, church. This is our light to a dark place. This is the key to hope. This is the the wellspring of life flowing with hope and and a very present help in a time of trouble. It's time that we quit being slothful. It's time that we quit being lazy. I'm going to say this out loud. Just on the first point alone, and I'll finish this next week. Let me give you one application today that somebody in this room needs to hear. 
you need to quit making excuses. Excuses are really nothing more than Satan's permission for you to stay right where you are. Excuses are nothing more than the enemy's device for you to justify spiritually to stay right where you are. How many of you want to grow in the knowledge of Him? How many of you want to understand the Word a little better? How many of you want to share your faith with a lost and dying world? Come on, keep them up. How many of you want to walk in hope? How many of you want to walk out of the frustration? Hold them up. How many of you want to walk in a place of surrender? How many of you want to have a great marriage? Hold them up and wave them at me. How many of you want your children to remain pure and not to fall to the drudgery of this world because everybody else is doing it? No, God created them as a pure vessel to remain pure until God called them home. Any mamas and daddies want that for your kids? Boys too, sons too. Young people, you want to make a difference in your school, wave your hand at me. First responders in the room, you want to make a difference when you go in a crash scene beyond the scope of just the, the natural. How many of you want to see that? How many of you be willing to just lift up both hands? Let's bow our head. Keep your hands up. It's just a posture of surrender today. No matter where I go in the world, this is a posture of surrender. I give up. I'm tired of being tired. I'm tired of doing it my way. I'm tired of living. Hold them up high. I'm tired of living with my back against the wall. I'm tired of being frustrated as a husband, as a student, as a wife, as a grandparent, as a child of the king. Hold them up high. It should start hurting a little bit about right now. Can I tell you something? Jesus went all the way for you, and he never let the pain of the, of the day-to-day stuff, the weariness, the teariness, the thirst, he never let it get in the way. When those nails were going in his hands and his feet, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What God needs today is not a new thing, not a new antic, not a new bunch of stuff. He needs people who are willing to surrender. You can let your hands down when you want to. If you want to keep them up, you just hold them up high. How many of you could could say without doubt, without hesitation, without any personal debate, I know that I know that I know that if I die today, I have heaven for a home. I'm a child of the King. Would you just lift your hand up and wave it at Him right now and say, Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you for pursuing me. Thank you for coming after me. If you couldn't lift your hand today, what are you waiting for? You'll never make it against the odds of this world until you give your life over to Jesus. You'll never make it until you give your life over to Jesus. If you'd like to know Him today as the Lord and Savior of your life, pray with me right now from your heart to God, and He'll save you. Because Romans 3.23 says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says the wages of that sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ. Romans 10 and 13 says whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. And I thank God today, I'm a whosoever. Pray with me right now from your heart to God. If you want to know Him as Lord and Savior and deliverer of your soul, would you pray with me right now from your heart to God? Father in heaven, I'm a sinner. And I believe in Jesus that He died on the cross for my sin. And on the third day, He got up. And He's in heaven today at the right hand of the Father. Dear Jesus, save me. Be the Lord of my life. Help me to live for you until the day you call me home. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you prayed that prayer today in faith, the Bible says you've been born again. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not some fancy prayer. 
is not joining a church. It's coming to a place where you acknowledge you're a sinner in need of a Savior and you invite Him in your heart. So if you pray that today in faith, you are a child of the King. And if that's you today, I'd like to pray for you. I'm not going to come to you, but I'd like for you right now without any personal debate, lift your hand right now and say, I prayed and asked Jesus into my heart today. I prayed and I asked Him. I invited Him. God bless you. God bless you, ma'am. There's people down here to pray with you. How about the rest of you? Could you raise your hand and say, I'm ready. I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to fight on my knees. I'm ready to fight for my marriage. I'm ready to fight for my children. I'm ready to fight for my school, my country, my church. I'm ready to fight for the faith. Paul said, I fought the good fight of faith. If you're ready to fight the good fight of faith, whatever that may be, lift your hand up right now. Lift it up high. Lift it up high. All right. So y'all look at me if you're holding your hand up. Look at me. What are you going to do? Oh, well, Mark, I'll be there Wednesday night. Uh -uh. What are you going to do? Well, I'll come back Sunday. I gave my time. No, no, no. You have to do something. Here's what I want you to do today. As a commitment to the Lord, not to me. The doors of our church are open. If you'd like to join our church, certainly we'd love to have you. If you ask Christ in your heart, we'd love to know about it. Come and let us pray with you. If you want to be vigilant, and you want to fight the good fight of faith, I want you to do something today so that you can punch Satan right in the mouth, right where he belongs, and say, hey, I took a step today. Because if we can't stand for him in here, we're not going to live for him out there. Amen? Here's what I want you to do. When I ask everyone to stand, if you had your hand up, say, I'm ready to fight the good fight. Grab your spouse. Grab your student. Grab your friend. Grab your brother or sister. And come now here and just say, God, equip me. Show me. Open doors that need to be open. Close doors that need to be closed. But don't sit there and think you're going to fight sitting there. You will never get in the game until you get off the bench. I wonder, are you ready to get in the game? Everyone stand to your feet. If that's you and you.